Hold on to your butt. I'm, of course, surprised that a story had such an immediate and profound effect upon radio listeners. Hooey pleases the boobs a great deal more than sense. Woe is us! We're in a lot of trouble! In politics, man must learn to rise above principle. What the hell are we doing here? We are behaving the way a superpower ought to behave. Well, our behavior has produced some crappy results. What we're witnessing now is the failure of the state. It is a death struggle for our republic. Giving voice to liberty in our time. Jimmy Clark. Welcome to the program. Now, it's not every day that the national news and the international news, at least in the English-speaking world, the Anglosphere, if you will, is focused on actions taken just a couple of miles from where I'm sitting right now. But it's all over social medias, people's reactions. It is all over the pages and newspapers and online publications in Great Britain, out of New York City and Los Angeles, and of course Washington, D.C. Top of the Drudge Report. Last night, that was Tuesday, the 14th of May, 2019, Alabama legislators passed a bill that would outlaw abortion at any stage in a woman's pregnancy. And not too long ago, about 30 minutes ago, here on Wednesday, May the 15th, 2019, Governor Kay Ivey signed that bill into law. So what I would like to do tonight is not opine and give my opinion and all my theories because this will definitely go to the courts and I am not a legal scholar. I've been doing a little bit of reading, trying to catch up on the legal history of abortion. I mentioned that last Friday because I saw this coming. I've talked to people in the legislature, I believe Clyde Chambliss, state senator, took up the bill. So what exactly is the bill? That would be a good way to go into this. First off, the state legislators, Terry Collins, who introduced it in particular, in the House, who is in fact a woman, and I'll I'll bring up that issue later, because I am seeing chatter on social media. State legislators who, are, who pass this bill know what they're doing. They know it will be challenged in the courts and probably at early stages shot down. They know they'll probably lose. And that might not happen. There might be an exception early on. But they have their sights set on the Supreme Court with a solidly conservative majority on the Supreme Court. And we can also revisit that. Are we so certain of that? Pro-life advocates, as they call themselves, 
are eager to cede the challenge that would one day take down Roe v. Wade. The 1973 opinion that legalized abortion up to the point of fetal viability. At the very least, these legislators here in Alabama and across multiple states in the Deep South. But Alabama's abortion law has gone the furthest. They want to take down Roe. They hope the Supreme Court will undercut it in some way and subsequent decisions that reaffirm abortion rights. The idea being, because after Roe, I believe there was Planned Parenthood v. Casey in the early 90s, there have been some abortion cases uh, in the 2000s, in the aughts, that have uh, reaffirmed abortion rights, but also given the state more allowance to regulate abortion, too. And for anybody who's been paying attention, obviously this is a very heated political issue. I don't have to say that, of course. The idea is that each legal challenge makes it a little harder to obtain an abortion in the United States. If not, if you can hit a home run with this, outlawed completely. So they're seeing the writing on the wall, pro-life advocates. They see the political and legal landscape tilting in their favor. And they feel empowered to move beyond abortion restrictions and take a shot at full bans. In fact, if you actually read on the Alabama legislature's website the bill, they start by saying the Alabama law passed, I believe, in the 70s has never been repealed. It's just been unenforceable because of Roe v. Wade. So they have never taken the law off the books. Last year, the people of Alabama, at least the voting public of Alabama, passed with a very strong majority an amendment that made clear abortion is wrong and it should be illegal. It was, but it was more a sense of the state and a sense of the people. And the state and anybody who knows Alabama who lives here, who has studied Alabama, that is not much of a surprise. So what exactly does the bill do? Because this is more than just symbolic. They are really in it for a legal fight. And again, this bill in Alabama goes significantly further than other states. Like Georgia, for instance, they passed what they called a fetal heartbeat bill. That abortion was outlawed at about six weeks to eight weeks when you can detect a fetal heartbeat with an ultrasound. In Texas... Aren't there Texas is also board? doing this. Um, Texas is the state that passed an abortion ban in the 70s. And that is the, initial, that is the law that really triggered the Roe v. Wade argument, case, and decision. This is one of many things that I hate to talk about. Oh, right. And this is... I'm well, not trying to ask... No, no, but it's cool. Yeah. But you know me. I'm a weirdo. I got weird opinions on how I think about things. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, yeah, I've got a, two weird little opinions on this. So you can do your thing and you just tell me. And what I'm trying to do right now is just okay. lay out what exactly the law and the l- political landscape looks like. So what's actually in the law? The bill holds doctors criminally liable for performing abortions at any point in pregnancy. 
complete abortions, completed abortions, excuse me, would be considered a Class A felony. And attempted abortions that actually fail would be a Class B felony. The legislation provides exceptions for abortion in the case of a, quote, serious health risk to the unborn child's mother. And in cases where, quote, the unborn child has a lethal anomaly. It does not, however, provide an exception for instances of rape and incest. This after there was many heated arguments on the floor, and there were actually Republican, this happened in the Alabama Senate, Republican senators wanting to add in multiple amendments to propose an exception for rape or incest. Because I can imagine even the most ardent pro-life person imagining, say, their daughter was raped. Now, by law, your daughter is required to bring the rapist child to term. Same thing with incest. Right. I mean, how do you feel about that little kid? And in the history, it's interesting. Uh, I was looking up the history, this the liberalization the of abortion laws really got going in Great Britain and England. And the first group that started to reform and liberalize abortion laws, their first high-profile case that got them a lot of attention and gained a lot of membership to their organization. What year was this? Uh, I think this is like 1938, 1939. Wow. Um, it was the case of a 14-year-old girl who was raped, became pregnant. A doctor, knowing it was illegal, a gynecologist, knowing it was illegal, performed an abortion. He was put on trial, and he was acquitted. And the court said something like he performed a disinterested procedure fit to the high standards of the medical profession, something like that. That's the 30s, and then that case kind of went underground because there's this thing called World War II that happened. In the United States, it really gets going in the 60s. I could be wrong about that, but I believe that's correct. The move to liberalize abortion laws really gets going in the 60s. But back to today, 2019. So there is no exception for rape and incest, even though there are people in Republicans, pro-life people, who wanted to put that exception in there. The reason it was taken away, even though the amendment was put on there initially is that legislators apparently wanted to pass a quote-unquote clean bill to send to the Supreme Court. They essentially really want to press this legal question of what is a legal personhood. So if you include in exceptions for rape and incest, are you saying that human life has no legal value because it was conceived in an incredibly terrible, violent, tragic manner. Because I have met people, I remember hearing from people when I was in Catholic school, they had speakers come, and the speaker was the child of a rape, and her mother made the decision to have her. Wow. Incredibly tough that's decision. Some, that's some weight to bear all your life knowing that? It's amazing. That's yeah, insane. it's weight to bear for the mother. And the child. And the child. What about incest? How do you come to peace with brother-uncle over here? Right, and some people do. 
some people do come to peace with that, but I can, that is a situation I think people even on heated, passionate people on both sides of the abortion issue can understand the weight of of that. They come to terms with it, but I don't think anybody should have to. Now, Planned Parenthood has put out a statement saying that this bill that Kay Ivey has signed this evening, quote, is the most extreme abortion ban since Roe v. Wade was decided. And I think that was the the point of the legislatures and the governor. That was what they were trying to do. And the legislators, uh, these Alabama legislators in particular, if you read the bill, they have a whole preamble to it. They write, quote, medical science has increasingly recognized the humanity of the unborn child. And they point to a number of technological advancements in the past several decades that allowed greater understanding of fetal development. They cite the Declaration of Independence, that all men are created equal, and have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. The Alabama legislatures claim their efforts are in the same spirit as the anti-slavery movement, the abolition movement, the women's suffrage movement, as well as the Nuremberg war crime trials and civil rights movements. They point to the Holocaust, to Joseph Stalin's Soviet gulags, to the Rwandan genocide, and other slaughters in recent history, arguing that the number of lives taken in those horrific crimes are small compared with the alleged 50 million babies that have been aborted in the United States since Roe v. Wade was decided in 1973. And these justifications, this context, this preamble, it's actually quite a short bill. You can find it online, folks, at the the Allison website. Let me check. It's HB... 314. Yes, HB 314. Pro-life advocates, opponents of abortion. It's interesting how the language, 84, Southern Wood and I got into this last night over Iran. Is it Iran or is it Iran? (laughs) And I I saw his point. I think in that case, it's just a foreign word and Americans always pronounce foreign words and languages in their own unique way. That's why I love America, don't you know? <laughs> but on this issue of abortion, it's interesting. People that are conservative, people that pass this legislation, people that sign this legislation, including the governor, call themselves pro-life. People that are who call themselves pro-choice refer to pro-life people as anti-abortion. The language games are interesting. It's They're just trick. interesting. It's a trick. They try to well, fool... It's, it's constantly a way to frame the debate. The pro-life people probably, if they think about it, go, yeah, I am anti-abortion. Yeah. So, I mean, I just find the language games uh, interesting, to say the least. But pro-life people have attempted to restrict the procedure and overturn Roe ever since it came down. They now believe they have a greater chance of success. There's no way to guarantee which state-level bill will eventually make it to the Supreme Court. Or that the sitting justices will reverse Roe in a single decision. That, that's what I was saying last week. This is not a, a clear-cut thing either way. We have no clue what the Supreme Court will decide. Yes, if you look at it, you think, okay, we now have more conservative justices on the court than progressive or liberal justices. But 
the Supreme Court is known to have a mind of its own. And also sometimes they can make a decision without fully making a decision. It gets complicated, but the law is tricky like that. For a decade or longer, pro-life or anti-abortion movement, take your pick, has been put in place a barrage of state-level restrictions with the goal of starting court challenges. But in recent years, most of those attempts have failed. In a 2015 decision, for instance, the Supreme Court forcefully pushed back against burdensome abortion regulations passed in the name of protecting women's health. But that was before Trump and before he appointed two new justices to the court, Neil Gorsuch and Brett Kavanaugh. But what's interesting is both of those gentlemen, I believe, if you think about it, in their confirmation hearings, artfully dodged the question. And this is what's so interesting about the Supreme Court confirmation hearings. The, it's Senate senators, essentially, asking these people pretty straightforward questions, and they wiggle their way around saying, I don't want to say. I'll give you the legal reasoning for this or that. I'll give you the legal framework I might use in my general approach, but I'm not going to sit here and adjudicate this now. It's not a lie if you don't answer the question. Right, and they'll just avoid a Mm -hmm. straightforward answer. Now, people presume Brett Kavanaugh was chosen, and based on some public statements, people like Gorsuch were chosen because they would be pro-life. This was Donald Trump's big promise on the campaign trail and you've heard it from a lot of people and critics of the president and people on the left though i repeat myself of why are evangelicals i'm this guy who sleeps around on his wife who's corrupt all this stuff which i mean those are facts uh, why why aren't you criticizing his character is because i think a lot of evangelicals after years of looking for a great person of character to represent them in the White House, have decided to just go cynical, real politics. Like, I don't really care what he does in his personal life, as long as, because this is my number one issue, as long as he appoints pro-life justices to the Supreme Court, fine. That's what I care about. And there are a lot of people who I believe voted for the president and like what he's doing because of that. And he has delivered. Uh, Gorsuch and Kavanaugh came very highly recommended. I, If I had to choose between the two, I'd tend to like Gorsuch better. But that's a longer conversation for another day. I think Kavanaugh gets a little too big government conservative at times. But it is interesting where this will go. It is interesting where it will go. It will take a long time. This is the big news today. Again, Kay Ivey, the governor of the great state of Alabama... Though, if you watch social media, folks, there are a lot of people crapping on the state of Alabama. Oh, yeah. A lot of people praising it, too. Again, this is a very uh, divisive issue. But we will see where it goes. One criticism, though, to my own opinion, one I find interesting, is this idea... And they've shown the graphics on Fox News. They're showing the graphics all over cable news, whether it's CNN or MSNBC or whatever. Graphics? Or you're seeing it on social media. Of look at all the people in the Alabama Senate who voted for this law. What do they have in common? And if you look at it, it's what you expect. Old white people? Yeah. White guys. Oh, yeah. Men. Old white dudes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
Uh-huh. Well, and it's saying, uh, isn't there something wrong here? It's all white men who voted for this. And I would... But I, I just find it to be a... At best, an unserious point. I could be harsher. Because the person who introduced this bill into the House and got this going is Representative Terry Collins. She's a woman. The person who signed this bill tonight, May the 15th, 2019, is Kay Ivey. She's a woman. It's never about one's sex or gender. Excuse me, pardon me, folks. It's about one's ideas. And I'll say, in my own personal life and conversations, the most passionate pro-life people... Are usually women. Oh yeah, most definitely. Yes. I mean, you, you'll hit a hammer to the face if you say. Well, something and like that. then the most passionate pro-choice people are usually women. Uh huh. Mm. Um. Yeah. So I, I think that criticism is—it's again, I think, a, an attempt to frame the debate, but I don't think it, it goes very far. It should always be about the ideas. It yeah. Should be about the history. Should be about the law. It should be about the theology and the philosophy. And an honest, good faith debate. But it is also, it's undeniable. It's about politics. And Elections money. have consequences. Well, it, to a degree, it's about money. I feel like it's about money. I don't, I don't think this one issue is necessarily about money. Um, it's not primarily about money, is not what I would say. But I think that's a side. Well, there are some people that are, well, abortion clinics won't make money. <laughs> um but all the coverage and all the news and I mean, well, it's everywhere. that too. And no, and there might be the idea that we've put up the good fight. We know it's going to fail in the courts, but we did our, we made the attempt, we made the little college try. But there's more. That's it's a good faith effort. This time it's more than that. But it is. Um, this act is called. This is directly from the law. Section 1. This act shall be known as the Alabama Human Life Protection Act. <laughs> and you can read it for yourselves, folks. Uh, go to the Allison, the legislature website. And there's all sorts of news coverage from all over the place. Uh, from all sorts of perspectives. But this is what I mean, though, about is the Supreme Court actually conservative? I, it is nominally. You think on the face of it, we don't know. This is going to take years. And I tend to be very skeptical of the government. The legal regime question. I'm just generally skeptical of the government. Oh, yeah. And enforcing laws dutifully, even when laws are are well-founded. Got to question them. So, to me, it's more of a legal question. When I think about it personally, the question of abortion... Especially the older I get and I start thinking about starting a family, these sorts of things, I abhor the concept. Now, if I also put myself in the shoes of, say, a father whose daughter is raped, oh, man. Like, the the emotions, number one, if you really put yourself in that, it's not just an abstract thought experiment. You really try to get in and meditate on a terrible, tragic situation like that. My God. Yeah, it's terrible. And I would advocate strongly for exceptions to rape and incest. Yeah, 100%. I mean, because nobody should have to carry that burden. But then the question of when is it life, I think it's life at conception. Well, it's two lives. It's two lives. And anytime there is an argument over 
rights. It is two or more people and their relation to one another. So again, I do not think this is a clear-cut legal question. It might be clear-cut theologically. It might even be clear-cut philosophically. But legally speaking, and you're dealing with political philosophy and the issue of rights and how our associations and duties to one another play out, we'll see where the Supreme Court goes. And what's also interesting about this bill, if you believe life begins at conception, when sperm and an egg, there's fertilization, I believe this bill still allows for things like the morning after pill, plan B, abortifacients even. I always think... And I wonder... Is that actually wholly consistent? Because that stops, for the most... There are some, I believe, pharmaceuticals that stop fertilization. They tend to be more invasive, I believe. But there are a lot of forms of birth control, as well as things like the morning-after pill that stop implantation. So we'll uh, we'll see where this goes. It is a... um, It's a historic moment in many ways. It's not every day, like I began the show with, that... What occurred just a few miles from where I'm sitting right now in humble Montgomery, Alabama, that it's not just national news, but international news. Crazy. So it kind of blows your hair back a little bit. It really does. And again, I've been monitoring social media. I Luckily, I, I guess my curse of being a libertarian has led me to make a lot of friends with different opinions, especially on this issue of abortion. So we'll see where it goes. But that's what the law does. The law completely outlaws abortion. And it makes the person who bears the brunt of the law the doctor. Class A felony for an abortion that is completed. Class B felony for an abortion that is attempted but fails. You know what that brings a thought in my head? Mm. Of uh, Dr. K. Jack Kevorkian. Ooh. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? We don't have to like go into the that. assisted suicide yeah, idea. Yeah, in Asia. And I believe California, They're cool a couple of years ago, it's very stringent. You have to check off a lot of boxes before they authorize it. And having watched my own mother die from a horrible disease, I understand the emotion, wanting to end suffering. Uh, but you got to be careful with this stuff. Yeah. And you the, really do. It's just the thought that comes up. And what I, I ask people whenever I talk to them, I'm like, what is your earliest memory? You know, what was the first thing you remember? You don't remember being in the womb or one or two. You remember like four or five, you know? And uh, But then is it memory? that? And this is the interesting well, question. What thought. defines a human being? I think what distinguishes human beings from other animals, let's say, is our ability to reflect, to abstract, to reflect on our instincts and our emotions and our drives. And free will. Yes. And then I, it also brings up the thought of uh, a stupid, drunk 20-year-old at a bar. <laughs> yeah, it was blackout. You know? Yeah, blackout no, drunk. No sense of consciousness. They're just operating on instinct. Yeah. and I've been that stupid Yeah, 20-year-old. same here, man. And it's, oh, my goodness. It, I mean, or some girl that is uh, hooked on hardcore drugs, mm. and, uh, and now she's pregnant. And you know this child's going to... It's not going. There's no way it's going to come out correct. But it, let me say this: we got to hit a break. Okay. I I will say to the legislators of Alabama who passed this law, in particular Terry Collins and Governor Kay Ivey, 
Usually Alabama politics is boring, banal, petty, stupid. A lot of horse trading, a lot of corruption. Corruptions are always our, like, you know, shiny object that keeps distracting us. I'll say this, though. This is not boring, banal, stupid, or uh, some distraction. This, this, is in a fight. this is a serious conversation. And if I look at the diversity of opinion across this nation... It's amazing we are one nation. <laughs> you got that right. It is amazing we are one nation. But it shows that we are, and that just shows something. Yeah. We've got to hit a quick break. Come back. If folks want to call in, 272-9228, you are free to uh, open up these phone lines. But we will uh, also move on to some other topics as well. But that is the news tonight. Big news, historic news, and we'll see where it goes. Ooh, piece of candy. Because this is only the beginning of the story, not the end by any means. You're listening to the Joey Clark Radio Hour. I am Joey Clark. Alongside me this evening, Mr. Seth Spotlow is looking good in his Bart Simpson tank top. Smooth face, cut hair. Yeah. We'll be right back. Joey Clark. Clark. Oh, welcome back. The show is brought to you in part by Eddie Bader with the Goodson Group. 322-0662. That's Eddie Bader's number. And you're going to want to call him if you're looking to buy or sell a home here in the Great River region. If you're a first-time home buyer, he can walk you through the process, put you a little bit at ease, mollify some of that anxiety you might feel, and really open your eyes to a better financial situation and just a generally better living situation, whether you're talking about the literal house you're living in, crib you're in, or like just peace of mind if I own my own place. And You said crib. I did say crib. <laughs> and it's great because he's such a nice guy that if you're nervous and you've never done this before, when you meet him, he will suck that negative energy you have and then he'll share his little positiveness and it's, it'll be it's so great. easy. He changed his own life by investing in real estate. He's helped change other people's lives by helping them buy their first home, buy their second home, buy that home they always wanted on the lake. That first step is the hardest, but it's worth it. Or if you're looking to sell a place, maybe your family's growing, or maybe because we have a lot of military families here in Montgomery, maybe you're looking to get out of town, you're being restationed. Eddie can help you sell that place. He's not one of these real estate agents who just hammers a sign in your front yard and waits by the phone. He's always by the phone, 322-0662. But he cares. He's very proactive in his approach. And because he's working with buyers, he's helping to have buyers meet sellers. It's the beauty of the marketplace. He'll help you find those renovations, those repairs you need to sell that house quickly and to get top dollar on the market. Really, it's... I could go on and on about Eddie Bader. He's a great guy. He's a talented real estate agent. And he can help change your life and help solve what is, in fact, one of the biggest 
problems or let's just say one of the biggest things a lot of people do in life. So if you're looking to buy or sell your home here in the River Region, give Eddie Bader with the Goodson Group a call. 322-0662. Again, that number, Seth? 322-0662. You have such a sultry voice. Yes, sir. I smoky, try. Smoky. Yeah. Uh, real quick, before we answer the phones, all five phone that lines are awesome. Left. Wow. And thank you for calling, folks. If you yes. want to get in, 272-9228. Real quick, last night I was talking about Iran, Iran, if you want to get into the Those are two game. different places, right? That's the same place with a bunch of Persians. And uh, a top British general that was part of the U.S.-led coalition against ISIS has contradicted the United States, saying there is no increased threat from Iranian-backed forces in Iraq or Syria. This, again, directly contradicts U.S. assertions. And then hours later, in an unprecedented rebuke, U.S. Central Command contradicted him which is very rare for an allied senior officer to be rebuked in that way. A spokesman insisted that the troops in Iraq and Syria were on a high level of alert due to an alleged Iranian threat. The conflicting versions of the reality on the ground added to the confusion of mixed signals in the tense part of the Middle East. That's from The Guardian today. And I'll just say this, folks. Don't trust what the national media is selling you. Use your independent mind. Think things through and take a breath and relax uh, because it wouldn't be the first time they were trying to uh, beat the war drum, especially John Bolton. I hope the president tempers him and I hope the president sticks by his campaign promises in a way when it comes to very costly, unfortunate, tragic wars abroad. But here the phone lines are all lit. Again, the number 272-9228. Let's go to a name I haven't seen before. Let's talk to Gail. Hey, Gail, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm very good. Hey, Gail. Uh, hi. hi, how are you? Good. How are you? Uh, I am I'm doing good. Um, I just want to say about the abortion bill. Y'all were talking earlier about the, the cases of rape and incest. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how y'all feel that it's okay to kill an innocent unborn child when the person who did it is not eligible for death penalty. They should. I mean, the, the rapist gets to go into prison and get out, and, you know, it, it's not the child's fault. When somebody like that goes to jail, bad, bad things happen, and there's a lot of times well, when they we, don't get we hope bad things happen. Oh, no, they care. do. When those guys yeah. find out what they did, they get them. Well, it, and it's the this is the real Gale, in my opinion, the conundrum that the Supreme Court will wrestle with, uh, that lower courts will wrestle with, that I've wrestled with, is I do believe it's life at conception, but I also do believe it is the mother's life as well. And I'm not talking about extreme circumstances, which is Alabama bill law allows for, like the life of the mother. I mean that when you have two people is because some say a. a that high-profile case that was in the 30s that kind of got abortion liberalization going. A 14-year-old girl is raped. It is a question of, it is not the conceived child's fault, but it's a question of, does she have to bring that life to term? It, because are... it, is, she, it is two lives. So what is the duty of somebody who did not consent? It's one thing you got two consenting adults, they have sex, they kind of know what they're doing. But when it's somebody who did not consent to the sex, it is rape. And does that per- are they obligated? Did they do anything 
to give them any duty or obligation, and that is a that is a big legal question. And I think why a lot of people that are pro-life almost in every way, like some of the senators in our legislature, wanted that exception in there. Well, I don't want that exception. Uh, you know, I, it's a horrible thing to happen, but it's still an innocent life, and it it should not be murdered because because of the circumstances of how it was conceived. Yes, ma'am, I hear you. And that's why they got the amendment out of there. They want to really press exactly what you just said and press it All legally. Right. Thank you, Gail. Thanks for calling. Man, I hate this conversation so much. <laughs> just saying. I, I know what you're talking about. But I'm going to say it. It's a, it's a conversation that... It's hard. It is. Difficult conversation. Even like, yeah, those sort of circumstances, those sorts of scenarios, the tough, the yeah. really difficult scenario. See what um, you do to me, Joey. <laughs> I'm doing it to myself and everybody listening. Let's go to the phones and talk to Debbie. Hey, Debbie, how are you? I'm fine. I agree with Gail on what she's saying, but there's more to this. Um, I believe we need to educate all our young ladies into being empowered with the knowledge. If this happens to them, exactly what they need to do. They don't need to hide. They don't need to be ashamed. They don't need to feel that it's their fault. All these stereotypes things are still in women's brains, okay? We still somehow have not shed this shameful, oh my God, this happened to me, I did something wrong, or if I tell, you know, the whole world is going to just shatter on me. And they really need to educate young ladies, because I've had it happen to me. I know a lot of women that's had it happen to them. We may not got pregnant, some of us did. But the idea that you are a victim that do not, does not understand that you're the actual victim, that's the problem. And that's what happens over and over. So that, to me, is number one. But number two, and this is the part that really came to light, a U.N. meeting, a lady came up and spoke about this subject on abortion. In their village, when a woman becomes pregnant, the entire village celebrates. This is huge for them. Everybody is happy that somebody in their village has conceived and is going to have a child. When the child is born, the entire village goes to their home to welcome their new member of their village. This is a beautiful thing. She said nobody in their village could even conceive the thought that they should abort any child for any reason. So we need to go back, in my opinion, of course I have one, (laughs) but we need to go back and maybe rethink the way we're thinking about our children here in the United States. All of a sudden they become burdens. They become unwanted. They become, um, you know, one of these things that you can just get rid of if you don't want it. I I don't understand that thought. When I was growing up, my childhood sucked. And it, it was pretty bad at points in time. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And I would never wish that on anybody. Yeah. Well, and you'll hear those sorts of arguments like quality of life arguments and whatnot. Um, yeah. Well, and Debbie, it's, it is, uh, there are a lot of villages like the one you described still in the United States. I think we all know. I mean, my God, how many times do you have Aunt to Lola. see baby pictures all over the book of faces every oh. time somebody has get? I mean, honestly, I'm, I'm being a little tongue-in-cheek but there. And the but, cultural. Yeah. Right. 
you know, setting. Somehow we've slipped on that quite a bit. And two wrongs do not make a right. But let's, not, that, let's not be uh, completely ignorant of the history um, in the sense that there's a reason, let's say, God says to Abraham, don't sacrifice your child. Right. There are a right. lot of points in human history, uh, and this is beyond abortion, where things like infanticide, child sacrifice, or mm-hmm. leaving kids to die because of lack of resources or weird spiritual right. beliefs um, right. have been prevalent in human history. So human beings are, mm-hmm. are quite capable on an individual and social level of doing all sorts of crazy, crazy things. things. And sometimes right. if you really put yourself in those people's shoes, imagine you have hardly anything. Um, if you put yourself in those people's shoes, you kind of see. You wouldn't. You don't want to make that decision, but you can kind of see where they're coming from. Like but I remember, that's a matter of uh, protecting your life because if you don't have enough food to feed two babies and one has to go, right. then in essence, it's protecting that child's life, the one that you chose to keep. Yeah, most of so human history was nasty, brutish, and short, and those mm-hmm. sort of decisions were being made all the time, unfortunately. Yeah, but for good reasons. This is not necessarily for good reasons. No. Now, on the rape issue, I think if we educate our young ladies to speak up immediately, they can go in and take the you know day after pill type thing, prevent this from ever happening. Tragedy would be totally different. So I mean, it would be bad. It'd be bad. Don't get me wrong, but it would not be compounded with a pregnancy that you don't know what to do with. I feel like that education should be with guys too. It shouldn't just absolutely. Be Absolutely. You're right on that. You're so right on that. And they need to know that they're responsible for what they're doing when it comes to young men. I tell my grandsons that. And that feeling of shame. Whatever you're doing, Mm -hmm. mm -hmm, you are responsible. So keep that in mind. Debbie, you help bring them in. I've got a lot of calls. I know you've got others. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank Thanks you. for calling. Uh, we've got a, a couple of folks that I do not know. Let's see who this is. News Talk, you're on there. Who's this? Hello? Oh, come on. Hello, last chance. All right. Uh, News Talk. Jenny. Hey, Jenny. Hello. How are you? Hey. I'm fine. Thanks for calling. Um, I was, uh, you know, brought up in the 70s, and, of course, everything was different. But, of course, girls at 12 and 13 and 11 couldn't go in and get an abortion without a a parent's uh, knowledge. Right, and consent. But as a nurse, at the age of 12, a person, boy or girl, can have autonomy medically and this goes Hmm. across the board about anything without their parents knowledge unfortunately what do you mean by autonomy yeah is there no guardianship role like is that automatically autonomy or i always figured if you were a still a minor, not yet at the age of majority, and I'm just thinking this, thinking, filling out medical forms, like the first time I go to a doctor's office, there's often a section of who's your guardian, who's the parent, these sort of things. Your signature, parent signature. Like, if you, if you go in, if you go into the doctor's office, and you ask, and your mom st- or dad stays out in the waiting room, 
and you're in with the doctor, mm. you can say, I don't want my dad to know about this, or I don't want my non- mom to know about this. Okay. And the doctor oh, has to uh, respect your wishes. It, it remains confidential. Yeah. None that, that yeah. makes sense. That's part of that shame thing she was talking about. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's terrible, man. Well, uh, or maybe you disagree with your parent. Yeah. And this also goes if you're in the hospital. Yes, ma'am. Well, Jenny, I, I appreciate you sharing that, and I'll, uh, I've will i got a few other calls here I want to get to. Appreciate it. Thank you for calling. And let's talk to Randall. Randall, make it quick, man. We're out of time. Yeah, I mean, I sent you some things on uh, Facebook on your messenger. That pill, I, I looked it up. You know, we were talking earlier that yes. you had to take it for the amount of time. Uh, it, you can go up to eight weeks, and it's pretty up to nine percent. And if they, they could take it, you could take up, you know, two or three of them. It's going to be a lot of pain, but it'll guarantee it not to happen. So we can go. It is more than 48 hours. Now, let's get real for a second. I mean, okay, you're not going to I agree with that. They should make that sucker cheaper. All right, yeah, but all right, but you're not going to be able to teach a kid that if something happens to them, he, it don't matter if it's a boy or a girl to to speak up about it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be real about that because yeah, I, I, I mean I know that yeah. for a fact. So and 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 then I've also paid for a boy, so I've murdered somebody. You know, you don't think about it. I don't think about the kid every day, but I, you know, Wait, what I do think about him every birthday, every Christmas, every time we, you know somebody invited to a birthday party. I think about it. You know what I mean? And and and. And it sucks. So I'm going to tell you, if you ain't ever done it, I mean, you don't want to go through that. So I'm telling you, this is the best thing that ever happened. That you, we can get around the other. And I know I got a, a, one of my best buddies that I kicked rock with my whole life. His, his daughter, I mean, had a, I mean, he had a, his daughter is, oh my goodness, his mama and his, his, uh, his baby's mama is sisters. And the baby is beautiful. Ain't nothing wrong with it. He is gorgeous, and he ain't coming. And, and I want to tell you something. Uh, um, hey, right there beside you, brother, it, it, be thankful that your daughter is whole. You know what I mean? Even if it is a drug, if the baby don't come out all ends, it don't matter. It's still a blessing, man. You know what I mean? Every kid don't come out whole. But if they still, I'm telling you, you talk to your mom and then see if it didn't change their life. I mean, you just got to let go and let God. I'm telling you, there's too many ways around this. Let this go through and move on. I mean, and 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 if, some, if somebody did rape a kid and an like, uncle or something, and that one out of a hundred thousand, man, there's always going to be a backdoor place. And you think the, the community wouldn't be behind it if it's coming to that and something happened after nine weeks? Because nine weeks, it does get up to ninety percent chance that it will fail. So I mean, that yeah. is, I mean, but brother, well, I'm going to go. I appreciate yeah. it. I appreciate uh, it. And he brings up an man. interesting point: the law will be whatever the law is. Yeah, and there's always going to be somebody back around the corner is doing it for money. And that is just uh, that's well. Who we got next? Call it human nature, if you want to quote a Michael Jackson song. Let's go to Josh. Hey, Josh, how are you? Oh, I'm doing well, guys. How are you doing? Sir? Good. Hey, man. Good. Well, only about thirty seconds here, man. Yeah, I know. Well, I was just saying, I was bringing a little levity to it. You know, talk about the coincidence of them tightening the belt on abortion and loosening up on medical marijuana. Think about the delegation on that. Maybe a little loosen up on this end, tighten up on this end, and make it go. I think that is the the marijuana thing is right next to the uh, war on opiates. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it's actually convinced a lot of people because there is a nice uh, replacement effect. I talk, um, I've talked to a lot of old dudes. Yeah. They say it works. Well, and I, you know, me, I would be supportive of uh, full recreational uh, legalization of marijuana. But uh, yeah. medical legalization is, I think, a, a nice step. It's a good step for a lot of people, especially uh, cancer patients I've known and other uh, issues, other 
ailments. But uh, I'm running out of time, Josh. I appreciate it. Thanks for calling. Really do. Well, I appreciate it. It is. It does seem to confound people. Wait, we're loosening up on gambling and uh, cannabis, but I don't know. It's crazy, man. Andrew, I'm sorry. I've run out of time, man. Um, I apologize. I've, I'm calling, literally man. out of time, but I appreciate you calling. Call again, man. please. Yeah, no problem. I'm from Canada, man. Oh, oh man. I would man. love to hear you call oh. back. Yeah, I wanted to tell you my opinion, but I, I will call back tomorrow if you're back on. It's my first time listening because I heard the news came out, but I'll call back and then give you my opinion. Please uh, do, man. Appreciate it. I'll be on tomorrow night. Six yeah, bye-bye. Thank you. And with that, we have to say goodnight. Seth, thank you for joining me. No problem, man. Thank you. Y'all have a good evening. I'll be back tomorrow.